Oh, well, hello. I am the Crypt Watcher, a completely original character. Welcome to my crypt. I assume you've come here looking to satisfy your hunger for danger and excitement through gruesome and spine-chilling tales of the macabre. Am I right? Of course I am. I'm always right. Well, it would appear you caught me at an inopportune time. As you can plainly see, I am entertaining guests. Please, go. Send for help. It learns to stop making noise, or else it gets punished again. I apologize. Some people, they just don't appreciate hospitality. Am I right? Of course I am. I'm always right. It's no big deal. Now is just not a good time for me. But you came all the way here, so I at least owe you a scary story. In fact, one of my guests here was just telling me a harrowing tale of love. Sex and murder, I think it's right up your alley. Hey, guy, you bearded bastard. Why don't you tell our guest the story you were telling me? Alright, well basically, it's a slash fanfiction about what happens when Doctor Who realizes he's totally gay for Nathan Fillion and breaks up with Twilight Sparkle to be with him. But he doesn't realize Twilight Sparkle is already having an affair with Nathan Fillion. You kind of have to read my previous fanfics to understand it. No, no, not that one, you twisted fanatic. The other one. Our guest is not seeking tales of man on man on pony. They're seeking tales of terror. Frightening tales that would give goosebumps to ghouls and raise the hair on the neck of a necromancer. The kind of scary story that would haunt the darkest dreams of the devil. It's no big deal. Oh, yes, yes. I think I know just the one. Thank God. I tire of this dialogue between you and I. Now, please, on with the story. I warn you, the following tale is not for those with weaker constitutions. It's all true, and it all happened to me, you see. So, if you think you're ready, then gather on as I tell you the tale. Of the Bride of Fox. Twas one of those long, dark nights of the soul. I was toiling away at a bottle of whiskey. Well, truth be told, it was a Smirnoff ice cranberry on I loves them. Either the record had finished, or the record player had grown weary of the Smiths. Because before I knows it, I was sitting in a vacuum void of sound. The only noise, the sound of me own regrets echoing in me ears. So I fires up the old Mecca Brandon die I does, and despite the repeated warnings of those Fairpoint blokes, I flipped the old safety switch on that rusted bag of bolts. Figuring he wouldn't make for good company with that damn inhibitor, Nathan fitted him with cramping his style and burning his biscuits, metaphorically of course. Nathan also fitted him with one of them easy baker ovens, and the biscuits that come out of the thing's britches are nothing less than top of the line, I tells ya. So anyway, as I was saying, I fired up the Mech and Brandon Dyer, and he says to me, Identifying biological entity, biological entity, identifying dying bugs, threat level zero, don't bother eradicating, conserve battery. So I says to the electronic funny man, I says, when was the last time we hung out? I mean, really hung out, not just at work. And you know what he says to me? He says, we are friends. I keep telling you. 
I am a robot. And that really turns me trousers, boy, I tell ya. So I show him what's what, and I flip that safety switch back to its original position. And I says to him, look here, you clockwork cunt. And it's okay, I can say that, because I'm British. I says, look here, you computerized codger, you weaponized wanker, you technological tosser, you glitch-ridden gay ward. And it's okay, I can say that one, because I'm a bit of a homophobe. I says, you and me, we're going to have ourselves a do. That's what you Yanks would call a party, see? And there ain't a blooming thing you can do about it. So I'll gather up me dirty knickers and assorted cuts while I'm scattered about the secret room. Like some Jimi Hendrix scented incense sticks, I digs up the apples to apples I does, and I give the half-assed hooligan Casper Hauser a ring on the old 17th century flippity phone. Guten Abend, you have reached das voicemail of Casper Hauser. If you are the mysterious cloak stranger, Please, leave me be. I have done nothing to you. Otherwise, leave me a message, ja? I will return call, I will return call. I am just so busy having lunch with Angelina Jolie and, oh, you know, meeting with Russell Simmons about my new record deal, ja? So I leaves him a message. I tells him all about the shindig we've got a cooking. Says we've got a DJ. There's already a few toities here. And it's turning out to be quite the knees up it is. This is a bit of a pork pie of course. But it's not like the birds won't be flocking once the parties are hopping. So I tells him to kick his rear into gear and drag it over here. It's about that time that I realize I've only got two friends. Three if you count Morrissey. Which I do, even if I've never met the bloody genius. Three friends is bugger off for putting together a wild wingdinger, especially for a gunpowder alumni like myself. And I've got sweet Fanny Adams left when it comes to booze. So I realize I'm in a bit of a pickle if any lasses do happen to show up. That's what it hits me. All I've got to do is make a bunch of guys, a bunch of girl guys. Not like chicks with dicks, you see, but like a guy, like a crude fashioning of a female figure. Rags from the Salvation Army, stuffed with straw, you follow? Make them convincing enough that I look like the coke of the walk, I will. So I pulls out the old needle and tread and gets to work I does. It's about that time that I hear a rapping at the secret room window. So I holler at Mecca Brennan Dyer to make itself useful and open up the window. Windows is installing updates. Please don't shut off your computer. Installing update one of 47. All your bloody machines are the same, I says to him. So I gets off me God-fearing bum and opens up the window. And wouldn't you know it, it's that daft German orphan himself, Casper Hauser. Now you find folks at home might be asking yourself, how is it that these two incredibly important historical figures, as relevant as they may be, are still alive and well here in the year of our Lord 2014, centuries after their supposed demise? Those are stories in their own work, they is, but I'll give you the cliff notes. Turns out this one is one of those situations where the truth is stranger than fiction. In my supposed final moments, I spare me execution of the pleasure and jump from the gallows. The rows of the menacing teeth lying in the sarlacc pit below seemed inviting when faced with the prospect of dying in the grip of the Protestant whore queen of England. It was in the bowels of the Sarlacc pit that I truly discovered myself. It was there that I really nurtured me appreciation of the Smiths, strengthened me relationship with the Almighty, and transcended life and death, becoming a fabled New Age Ascended Master. Casper Hauser, on the other hand, accidentally killed himself and became a ghost. Casper the Needy Ghost. Quickly, Guy Fox, let me in, for I am being followed by a scary, scary man. He wishes to do me harm. 
Just like the little brat, begging for attention as always. Belt up, I says, stop flapping your chin and listen to old guy Fox for a minute. I'm hatching a plan, I is, and I want you to be supervisor of operations for me new secret project. I know that if I gives him a fancy title, he'll think he's the dog's bollocks. So he asks me what he's got to do to be this operational supervisor, and I tells him the first task is to find me some stockings and a nice dress. Oh, ja, I used to be in the German version of the kids in the hall. Die Kinder in das Hall. I still have some of my old costumes in a box underneath my bed. I haven't worn them in so long. I swear. Did you know I was the German chicken lady? Chevy along, you bleeding fool. For it is not we who watches the clock, but the clock what watches us this evening. Don't you hear his black heart beating with every tick of the second hand, every swing of the pendulum? Time takes its toll, it does, even from folk like you and I with nothing to pay. Sha, whatever, fine. You don't have to yell at me. And so it was that we made this most splendid girl guy a guy like me had ever laid eyes upon. Hair made of weave from the finest beauty shops in the hood. The most lavish of rhinestones beset in her eyes. In an evening gown somehow both flirtatious and conservative that would even make me mom proud. But it wasn't enough, you see. What I had here... It was too enticing to leave well enough alone. I had become enamored with a patchwork pretty and drunk on scientific progress. That ends me enough ice cranberry loin. So what I does, I grabs one of the microphones, pop screens and all, and I clobbers McBrandon to your upside his stupid metallic head I does. But it does little in the way of incapacitating him. What are you doing? You are drunk. That is enough Smirnoff for you, and enough scientific progress. I tell you what, I've heard enough, you pudgy little shit. That's what I says to the pudgy little shit. So in the name of scientific progress and getting squiffy pissed off the rush of unbridled discovery, I cracks open me old friend, Mecha Brandon Dyer, and I takes up his processor and insert it into the girl guy. Casper Hauser is ratting and raving he is. You've gone mad. You're out of control. You have lost your way, Guy Fox. And Mecca Brandon Dyer is just spouting nonsense, not having his processor to tell him what to say. I wanna dance like I'm shucking lots of corn. And I'm hollering at them to shut their gobs. Can a guy get some silence when he's trying to work and all that? And finally I get the girl guy so no processor and all. Shucking, shucking lots of corn. And I takes her outside, and it's pouring rain because of course it is. And I drags the wet bag of hay to the conveniently adjacent windmill, which come to think of it, I had never noticed there before. And I climbs to the top, and I sits me rain-soaked bottom on a wooden crate, and I waits. I waits for the lightning to strike, but it doesn't come. And the girl guy is all soapy and mushy now, and I can still see what I saw in her in the first place. I can. Only now, it's like we've been married for a few years and she's let herself go. And suddenly I'm coming to me senses, realizing this was all a big mistake, and I shouldn't listen to me friends. So I picks up the saggy old broad by the waist, figuring I'll give old Mecca B Day his processor back and apologize to Hauser for shouting at him. When suddenly it happens, a bolt of lightning ocks down from the sky, bright as a flashbulb, striking through the hut of the door, knocking me on me bum and igniting me overcoat. Tearing the flaming jacket from me body and hurling it outside into the rain, I bring myself to me knees and I look up. And there she is, alive as an antelope, real as a rhinoceros, beautiful as a beetle. I don't know, I'm sorry, I just like to alliterate, but I'm not always so fast on my feet, and apparently I've got animals on my brain. 
Earlier, I fell into a YouTube trap. You know what I mean, just watching video after video of animals. And I would have kept at it too until I stumbled upon one proponent that there was a lizard that can walk some water. And I says to me computer, I says, You take that back. There's only one guy that can walk on water. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I start thinking about those little spider bugs you see on the lakes when you're camping. And I start to question me faith. But I'm getting off topic. There she stood in front of me, radiating both the essence of beauty and the essence of terror itself. The Bride of Folks. Ah, uh, to be continued, Ja. Shuckin', shuckin', what's a cord? Like a rock star. You're listening to Skkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkkk
king of the castle. Yeah, I know what you mean. Whereas I I think you can a a cool word for dad. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't want to just say dad. You could have said king of the castle. (laughs) Could have gone with that one. (laughs) He says it started with random beeping. One time it went off like the food was done, and when I looked over, the damn thing was still going and said six six six. Betty, the matriarch, says, It turns on by itself. It turns off by itself, too. It's like it's messing with me. No matter how many times I pop the door shut, the minute I leave the room, it pops open again. One night, really late, I walk into the kitchen, and I'm about to open the fridge, and the microwave door flies open, lighting the whole kitchen up in a horrible, scary, lightning blue color. It's like it wanted to electrocute me. Your mother sucks cocks in now. My mom should buy. My mom should buy. My mom should buy. My mom should buy. <laughs> I was trying to bless the house and get it back to normal. No, it's, or the microwave. No, it's your mother sucks beeps and beep. <laughs> six, six, beep. <laughs> so the McCouds, this family, hired a ghost hunter. And this is what the ghost hunter has to say. We obtained permission to stay the night and study the phenomena in its natural environment. My wife, who is also on my squad, is highly empathic. As we warmed up TV dinners in the microwave, she sensed a presence. As soon as she mentioned it, the microwave started beeping repeatedly. The door flung open and my hungry man dinner went flying across the room. Stop, stop, you're scaring me. We pressed the off button. We unplugged it. It beeped several times after we cut off the power. No! Of course, our digital recording became corrupted, which often happens when there's such a storm. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. That always happens. So he called in another paranormal investigator. I'm assuming one with better credentials. I Probably, like, yeah. He was like, I got to call in the big guns. Oh, yeah, his, his supervisor, actually. <laughs> and he says, the EMF readings confirmed the supernatural manifestation is a poltergeist. I have seen poltergeists occupy washers, TVs, electric heaters, but this is the first time I have seen microwave possession firsthand. Well, yeah, either it's possessed or it could just be an old faulty microwave. Or I actually consulted my own paranormal expert and what he had to say was, Oh, "Oh God, it's champ! You suckered me in, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, he knows a paranormal expert? Yes, he's an expert. That guy is a loon, okay? He is crazy. He's going to hurt somebody one of these days. Does he have a permit for that harpoon? I'm pretty sure he doesn't. He doesn't have a fishing license either. So they asked if they should get rid of the microwave and get a new one. But he said, it's important to remember the malevolent presence does not strictly live in the microwave. Getting rid of the machine will not solve the problem. It has the ability to travel throughout the electrical wiring in the house. So it's not a haunted microwave, it's a haunted house, and it's just using the microwave at this moment. Well, it's a poltergeist, he says. Yeah. Poltergeists are kind of like haunted houses, I guess. He says it's best not to engage the being. Try not to be fearful. Always remain calm. If you're facing a poltergeist in your kitchen devices, just ignore its outburst, and it will not be able to feed off your energies. Yeah, that certainly worked well for the freelings. Well, Betty agrees with him. She says, I think he knows what he's talking about. It didn't start getting really bad until we paid attention to it. Now we just ignore it like we would ignore a child's temper tantrum. And it still randomly shuts off or zaps from time to time, but nothing really serious. It still heats up our leftovers like a champ, too. Oh, God, it's champ! I told you! (laughs) 
All right, not to be outdone by you or anything, but this isn't quite as scary or horrifying of a news story. But members of a Michigan church recently finally got what what all God-fearing Christians have ever wanted, proof that Jesus is real, because he came to them by putting his face on a pierogi. Next. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this is fucking bullshit, but... <laughs> Uh, no, uh, they burnt a pierogi, and it kind of looks like a bearded man, I guess. Really? Because I think it looks like Mick Foley. I think Mick Foley appeared in the toast. Yeah, the proof it looks that, more like Mick that Foley. sign I saw in the crowd, Foley is God, is true. <laughs> proof. Here's proof. We have it. My toast kind of looks like Mick Foley. Also, the Holy Foley. Mick Foley eats a lot of toast. Coincidence? I think not. It's the Holy Foley pierogi. The Foley Trinity. <laughs> How has nobody done that with his three characters? The Foley Trinity. Oh, man, that's great. So I found this story on UPI.com, and the only reason I really chose to do this was based on the final line of this article. What is UPI? Is that like it's U- some United sort of Press? You know, United yeah, sure. Paranormal Investigators? Probably not. The last line was just so scrumdiddlyumptious. It was hilarious. This is probably one of the best out-of-context lines ever. Church officials said they are keeping the Jesus pierogi frozen until they decide what to do with it. <laughs> what are you going to oh do with God. it? Fucking eat it eat or it. throw it out. <laughs> Jesus. It's not <laughs> Jesus. It's a burnt pierogi. Are you going to keep it on ice and charge five bucks a head to view the holy pierogi? What if somebody's like, oh, my God, Craig, like I'm in here making toast, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, Craig, come in here. The face of Christ has appeared in my toast. And you're like, oh, "Oh, really? Now I'm going to eat it. You're like, bullshit. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Like, come on, Nathan. It's just burn. You you have a bias, a confirmation bias, and you have like your brain is wired to find faces. You're just seeing pictures in the burnt i'm like no come here this is i swear it's totally jesus's face appeared in my toast and you come in and it's literally like emanating light and like you can see jesus's face and he's like hello my child (laughs) he's like this bread will be my body and my face and he's like no the bread is like the skype of heaven but you know it he's literally like just skyping to you through the bread (laughs) yeah it's a clear picture of him he's just on there yeah speaking um, and everything the bandwidth is kind of slow so he's uh, 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 stuttering (laughs) a little bit lagging a bit no uh jesus probably not mick foley more likely the dude most likely that's what it looks like to me i see the dude oh from from Lebowski. Lebowski appeared in, that's awesome. If the dude appeared in my toast. No, you got to see this. It looks way more like the dude than any than Jesus. Uh, all bullshit aside, though, this is serious news. The Deadpool movie finally has a fucking, uh, finally has a fucking release date. Fox Studios finally greenlit it. Yes, February 2016. And also coming in 2016, Doctor Strange. Isn't that also when uh, Superman v. Batman yes. comes out? The Law Firm? That comes out... <laughs> the Law Firm. <laughs> that comes out in May. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah. Kind of sucks. It's a February release. That kind that usually is the slot they set duds. Yeah. The early early part of the year. They're taking a gamble on an R-rated adult 
superhero movie. Well, I fuck just... it. I'm, I'll go see it four times in theaters if it means there's going to be a sequel. My childhood obsession with the Addams Family began with the 1991 movie adaptation. I thought you were going to say World Series. So close. No, I actually had the movie on VHS. I got it from Pizza Hut, I believe. There was a bunch of different times where they were giving away free movies. That is how I owned Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. They were like, fuck, you can go to McDonald's and get a shitty little toy. You can come to us and get a fucking movie. Because back then, well, that was a big deal. Nowadays, it's like, so I can download a yeah, fucking movie. Whatever. Can, yeah, this was, wow, a movie? Wow, thanks for this movie, Fap. Is a Happy Meal toy? Yeah, that was big shit. That was a big movie. Especially that. It's not like it was uh, one of those really failed movies either. No, I thought it was great. Were you a fan? I was, of the first movie. Not so much the second. No, I like the second really? movie. Really? I, I was like not too much a fan of the second. One thing I like about the second movie, better than the first movie is that we get the whole Uncle Fester not really being Uncle Fester subplot out of the way. So you're not watching half the movie questioning, is that actually Uncle Fester or just some guy pretending to be him? Because if it's some guy pretending to be him, I could give two shits about him, you know? Right. I guess I see where you get going there because the whole second movie, he is a legit part of the family. You know he's Uncle Fester. Yes. But I love both the movies. I thought they were fucking great as a kid. It really, I I loved it as a kid. I loved monsters and stuff like that. And it this was really cool to me to see these creepy, weird family that that is kind of normal, but not normal. You know what I mean? They're not going out killing people, but they're yeah crazy. But I very soon after, you know, was told by my parents that there was an old TV show. It was based on an old TV show, and I was no way because I kind of thought all old TV shows were just corny old people shows like mash and i love lucy and yeah Dragnet. the honeymooners <laughs> and you know wings ah. <laughs> so i very quickly picked up on that and started watching that probably on nick at night or something most likely there was no internets to look it up on but loved the adams family loved really loved it i not so much uh um, no well it was kind of me being a dumb stupid kid and i never properly went back and revisited it to give it the appreciation it probably deserves but as a kid i was you know i never really got into the i was just like ah eh, black and white show it is boring you know dumb <laughs> dumb kid bullshit well what about the movie love the movie as a kid yeah okay okay i thought you just yeah. meant in general you thought oh that no the show okay. the show the old show from the 60s okay unfairly i might add i hated it so <laughs> okay I uh and I liked the monsters as a kid too, and I would kind of go back and forth between which one I was gravitating towards. But I feel like I always kind of knew that the Adams family was superior to the monsters, and I don't know. Superior, you say? <laughs> the monsters did better in ratings, though. Yeah, Used pretty consistently. I used to get them confused as a kid too. Really? Yeah, I don't know well, why. The monsters are actual monsters. Yeah, Adams I know. They're just people. I just people, not monsters, except for Lurch, and it. Eh, whatever. But you had said 
that your parents told you it was based off of a TV show. Kind of wrong. Your parents were kind of wrong there. Well, no, the movie was based off a TV show as well as the the original. The one panel comic strip from The New Yorker? Yes. The family originally appeared in Charles Adams cartoons in The New Yorker. Called it, The Adams Family. Well, no, the, it wasn't a cartoon called The Adams Family. They were just cartoons that he drew. Oh, yeah. They didn't the really Yorker. have any like names. The characters were really undeveloped, and there's just all sorts of scenarios. Little gags. It wasn't all the Adams family either. Like just all sorts of stuff. And he did have a kind of macabre sense of humor. And eventually some of the characters that you would see actually started reappearing instead of just being random people and funny gags. And eventually it started solidifying the idea that they were actually, some of these characters you saw were, were family. And he was eventually propositioned because they wanted to make a TV show and they had him, Give us some names for these characters. Tell us oh, who they yeah. are. And he was very involved in that, too. He and was. The, the movie, the filmmakers did say that they wanted to go back to that, not just base it on the show, but to go back to his original ideas. And we'll talk a little later about we'll how that. exactly they did that. But there was a lot of influence from the show as well. It's, yes. it's hard to separate them because there wasn't enough there in the cartoons, you know? Right, right. And because they're such a big part of cultural consciousness. And you know what kind of pisses me off thinking about it is New Yorker cartoons are so pretentious and dull now. Like, bring us back that. Well, you know, when the Adams Family was on the air in the 60s, the New Yorker stopped printing Charles Adams cartoons because they didn't Aww. want to be associated with lowbrow sitcoms, you know? <sighs> we're, like, we're, better, we're better than that. Buffy and I do not have time to read comics. Here's the thing, though. The Adams Family was revolutionary. I mean, most other sitcoms, you know, the marriages were just bitter disputes all the time. Really dysfunctional families. Men be like and women be like. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And this was actually a good, wholesome family, a loving family. Oh, my God. Gomez and Morticia have the most passionate love for each other. Oh, Academy. So passionately in love with each other and dedicated to each other and dedicated to their family, supportive of their children. They donate to charity. Um, they're super kind to any visitors that come to their home. They are never right. in any way a bad hosts at all. Like, and wonderful hosts, the other people who are being judgmental and, uh, yeah, and that's where the play comes off of. And it's like uh, almost like an inverted look at the ideal American family where it's the perfect family, just they're weird and they like dark shit. They're different. <laughs> so it's almost like a statement on xenophobia, you know, like fear of other like cultures and things that are different. They're just different. Yeah. Suck it, Westboro Baptist Church. They're obsessed with the macabre and the morbid, but they don't kill people. You know what I mean? They don't impose... Well, as far as we know. <laughs> I love in the movie when uh, she's like, oh, Gomez, you're such a lady killer. And he's like, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or when they're like, when he's talking to the psychologist and she's like, uh, it, it's something like it's it comes from the deep-seated aggression towards your mother or something. And he's like, but I didn't hate my mother. It was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I His... Uh, so good. We'll talk about Gomez when we talk about Gomez. But man, the 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 Adams family in general, so awesome. I'd love to. There's so many jokes in both the movie and the sitcom that your first thought is, "Wow, it's surprising that they were getting away with these jokes at the time." 
Right. And then I feel like your second thought is, no, actually, it'd be more surprising if they got away with it nowadays because there's a lot of jokes about suicide coming from children. Yeah. Or uh, there's all sorts of stuff that really nowadays in this culture, now that it's an actual problem, you know what I mean? Not to say it wasn't before, but you know what I mean. It would like be completely frowned upon. It would be considered in poor taste. Right. Um, to say. I'm sure you could still get away with it, though, if you did another Adams Family movie, because we all know those characters and have that and that's how they association are. with yeah. them, which is so... Oh, I love the Adams Family. It genuinely... It's one of the things that watching these characters like genuinely brings me joy. Like, like I don't know if you understand oh, yeah. what I mean. When you're watching something, you're just like, oh my god, I really just love watching these characters oh yeah i feel the same way every time i watch the nickelodeon turtles show there you go <laughs> and i love it's it's also rapid fire jokes both the movie and the sitcom like one liner after one liner after one liner set up one liner set up one liner yeah it was, uh, but i love it it's so well written very marxish in in its uh delivery like the marx brothers one of the uh like showrunners i think worked on a lot of Marx Brothers films. Which would make a lot of sense. Yes, I'm almost positive. But yeah, it's so... Usually I hate that in a sitcom. I hate the setup, punchline, setup, punchline. Which is why I think Gilmore Girls failed. I put it out there. There, I said it. But no, Adam's family does it right. The punchlines are fucking hilarious. Like, I could sit here and rattle them off all day. But we've got a job to do. So, as we said, the original... Incarnation was the Charles Adams cartoons. Uh, the first earliest cartoon to feature them was from 1938. It shows Morticia and a big bearded lurch, and they're being sold like by a door-to-door salesman, a vacuum. Oh, yeah, yeah. And from there it went on. They developed their personalities a little bit and their identity as a family. But a most of the personalities bit. came from the show. Yeah. So this family lives at 0001 Cemetery Lane. Ah, that's right between a cemetery and a swamp, right? Yes, it's a condemned mansion. Uh, It's in a town called Happydale Heights, according to the 90s cartoon. Yeah. Supposedly, this mansion is based on Syracuse University Hall of Languages. Wouldn't you know it? Not supposedly, it is. You think so? I do think so. I've seen the Hall of Languages. I've seen it recently. Exactly. Well, one source claims that Charles Adams did this when he visited. Another source claims that the art director for the TV show attended Syracuse University. Yeah, Edward Alou. But I don't know, because there is a real house that in the show it was used. You know what I mean? Yeah. For the shot. And I guess there was a house that was drawn in the cartoons, you know, before that real house was picked for the show. I feel like this is kind of a, like, thing to say about your fucking school that's cool to say. And um, it might be kind of more myth than fact, maybe. I would rather have it be more fact than myth. Thank I you think, very much. Can we at least just agree that it's a mixture of both to some extent? Maybe more one than the other? I, I guess. <laughs> I would like the one more than the other just a little bit, maybe if it's on my side. Uh, another cool thing. Thing about the house that it was shot in that you might not realize, you know, the Adams family, everything's so dark and like morbid or maybe not morbid, but very macabre. Um, the actual interior of the house from the sets are very colorful. They're really colorful. Most well, wait, of the rooms are like the, pink. The sets? Yeah. They weren't in the same house as well, the house that you see from the exterior. I'm talking about for the, just in the show. Where shop. the sets were hosted? 
Yeah, like the rooms that they had set up as rooms in the in the mansion. You're talking about the interior shots. The interior the shots, yes. The one thing, like these rooms were so vibrant and colorful because that helped with the black and white mixture. You know, when you turn it into black and white, it makes it look more dark. Okay. Almost, you know, so. But yeah, to see a picture in color of the actual set is so weird. It does not give the same feeling, you know, or tone of the show when you see that because <laughs> okay, now it's like saying. they're just like a rich guy's house, you know, like it's maybe his trophy room or something. I thought the movies, the 90s movies, really captured the essence of that house. Absolutely. So well. They combined the condemned mansion idea with the museum-esque, you know, rich person's house. Yep. And like it was just the atmosphere in that movie, fucking perfect. Uh, I especially loved the touches of like just spider webs in the corners of all their rooms and Everything, stuff. Everything, the know? rotted wood, the every little detail, the things that are strewn about on the dressers and the pictures, yeah. the antiques, everything. <laughs> Another thing I loved, just <laughs> at least in the movie, like it, it, the first time you see Pugsley, you know, holding the stop sign, and then there's the accident that you hear the cars like get into an accident outside, and then like as the movie progresses more stop signs pile up in that room. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Well, that was one of Pugsley's habits in the show was his room was decorated with signs. Yeah. So let's take a look at all the characters of this show, the main characters at least, and who better to start off with than, as you would put it, the patriarch himself, (laughs) Gomez Adams, father, husband, brother. He may or may not be. According to the original show, he had no brothers. He was the, he was only, the only child, child. of Grandmama. Yep. According to the, the original m- cartoons, the 1970s cartoons and the 90s movies, Grandmama was Morticia's mother. Yeah, uh, Granny Frumps. Yes. And according to everything I just listed except for the original cartoons, which was much more vague, Uncle Fester was Gomez's brother, which I think works better because it makes them both Adamses. Right. Thing that I didn't like about Fester being Morticia's uncle-in-law is like, why would he move in with you guys? Because <laughs> he's, he's weird he's like that you. Uncle. He's, <laughs> he's that weird, creepy uncle. <laughs> he was originally going to be played by Dave Coulier. Ah, zing. But I digress. Back to Gomez. According to the 1970s Halloween special, Ooh. Gomez does have a brother, not Uncle Fester. Oh. But Pancho Adams... I like that name. <laughs> but yeah, Gomez. Gomez is the fucking man. One of my favorite characters of all time. Handsome, peaceful, successful, yet somewhat Fis- naive. He's uh, he's portrayed by John Astin in the 1960s show, who also voiced him in a lot of the cartoons. Oh, the yeah. The Scooby-Doo special, the 90s cartoon. He was played by Raul Julia. Brilliantly played by Raul Julia. Movies. Both of these men perfectly capture this character. Like, I, I can't say I prefer one over the other, but whenever I'm watching one of them, I'm just like, this is fucking amazing. And Raul Julia, yes, is fucking phenomenal in that yeah, role in that movie. absolutely. To me, as one of his best roles, Raul Julia's. Oh my God, yes. It's so great. He's, Definitely not M. Bison, but Gomez Adams, he played, yes. <laughs> he played M. Bison well, though, given what he was given. Of like, course! <laughs> given like the shitty script, he owned that shit. And given the opportunity to recreate this character for a new generation, he fucking owned that shit. Like, he did. So Gomez. It's, it's amazing. John Astin, the guy who played him in the 60s, yes. 
he, you know how he's always he's always kind of wide-eyed and grinning. Yeah. Uh, you know where he gets that look from? That's the actor used to live in a bad neighborhood in New York City. <laughs> oh and he would just God. walk home basically looking like Gomez taking a stroll. Just like, and he looked And people would be mind. too scared <laughs> to approach him. <laughs> right. <laughs> people would think he's the crazy one. So Gomez Adams. Uh, Charles Adams suggested he either be of Spanish descent or Italian descent, suggesting the names Gomez or Rapelli. He left it up to John Aston to decide, didn't he? Yes, and John Aston chose Gomez because he liked the sound of it better. But how perfect, because I can't imagine if Gomez was Italian. I couldn't imagine if his name was Rapelli. Rapelli Adams. But no, he's descended from Castilian royalty and British aristocracy. Of course! I'm not going to let that go. When he was younger, he was just consistently sickly, and his sinuses were always clogged. He had bronchitis. And oh, he was a millhouse. When he met Morticia, and he heard her speak French for the first time. They cleared right up. Instantly, he was perfect health. And since then, he is like a representation of perfect health, athleticism, physique, like everything. Agility, strength. I mean, he gets his ass whooped by his daughter Wednesday, but she's, she's like his Gohan. He is who he is because of the woman in his life. He's that in love with her. Her love. This guy smokes. He spends $1,000 a week on cigars. I would if I could. This, and he has perfect 2020 vision. He's got the heart of a 20-year-old track star. He's also incredibly lucky, very successful. It's funny, though, because he's a lawyer, but he's never won a case. He actually brags about that. He's yeah. super proud that, he ha- that he's lost so many times. He's very proud that he's put many criminals behind bars acting as their defense attorney. <laughs> but he's uh, still, he plays the stock market. He's, yeah. He's probably got a lot of inherited wealth as well. A lot of inherited wealth. But a funny thing, the only reason he played the stock market was because somebody told him that he can make a killing in the stock market. But a ping! <laughs> uh, he's actually ranked number 12 on Forbes' list of the top 15 richest fictional characters with a net worth of $2 billion. So would Batman be above him, Bruce Wayne? Yes, I think he was like number four or something. I wonder who the richest fictional character is. I'm not going to spoil it. Go check out the Forbes Lex article. Lex Luthor, I'm saying it. Gomez did kind of have a superpower, if you ask me. One of those mundane superpowers that uh, Blurry Photos is always talking about. He's able to do super complex mathematical calculations in his head in seconds. Oh, yeah. He's very, very intelligent. Very, very. And it's funny because he actually figures out the time by looking at his wristwatch, which is fast, and his pocket watch, which is slow, and then figuring out the difference in between the two. It's much easier. (laughs) Much easier that way. Keeps his brain in tip-top shape. Hey, I better start trying that, I guess. Works. Uh, We did mention the two most well-known and probably best portrayals of Gomez, but there were plenty of other actors that played him, too, maybe in the different cartoons and stuff. Not in my eyes. Two notable actors that are worth mentioning that played him, Nathan Lane and Tim Curry. Uh, Nathan Lane played him in the Broadway musical. I've never seen it, so I don't know, nope. but interesting. And Tim Curry played him in that Adam's Family Reunion movie that came out in 99. Oh, yeah, the, the direct-to-DVD one? Did not want to watch. I didn't see it. Did you see it? No. You didn't even watch it for no. the... Oh, how dare you? I looked up a few clips on YouTube, and I don't like it. I feel like whenever someone else plays Gomez, they just look like a creep. Well, and not in the cool Adams Family way, like in the like, ew, 
Someone call the cops. So basically like, what you're saying is Tim Curry, stick to the drag and leave Gomez out of it. He looks like less of a creep in <laughs> the Rocky Horror Picture Show than he does as Gomez. Uh, I don't. He doesn't look suave as Gomez, and neither does... If he's you not watch, charming. Did you ever see the new Adams Family? It was like a fucking Disney Channel Adams no, Family. No, I didn't. Shit. I didn't. In Fox fact, I didn't family. even know it happened until I was researching this podcast. No, it's so bad. The guy that plays Gomez is just... Ugh. Like, I want to fucking take a shot shower after looking at him he's and that's so like, the main thing you have to have a good like cast you have to have people that portray the characters well if it's just creepy and not charming endearing or suave then it's not gomez hey, you know what props to the casting director i might have cast tim curry as gomez I, thinking and then i it? see him with the mustache and the suit and i'm like oh god it doesn't work oh. it doesn't work god it's the butler from clue with a mustache it's champ so now the matriarch of the Adams family, Morticia Adams. Ooh, Karamia. Maiden name, Frump. She was based on Charles Adams' first wife, Barbara. Charles Barbara Frump? had many wives. No, I don't oh, think her name was. That would have been awesome if it was. Uh, Morticia's family can be traced back to Salem, Massachusetts. And if she is Grandmama's daughter, I guess she, she has some type of French ancestry. It's probably safe to say she does. Yeah. You know who played Morticia's mom in the show, though? Because it wasn't Grandmama? No. No? Cloris Leachman? Margaret Hamilton, the fucking Wicked Witch of the West. Huh. Yeah. Wore the same dress that Good she show. wore as uh, Miss Gulch, I think her name was, in The Wizard oh, of Oz. Okay. You know her Yeah. Did it, landlord did it. Yeah, alter the, ego. The, the lady riding away with Toto, that little bitch. Yeah, dude, it's so cool. Like you, you watch it, and it's it's straight up the Wicked Witch playing Morticia's mom. That's cool too. I don't know. Maybe I'm full of shit, but I feel like homages like that weren't as common back then, especially in like '60s sitcoms. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Whereas nowadays they'll cast like, oh, Mark Hamill was in Star Wars, so let's cast him in our sci-fi movie. It's like an homage, you know? Yeah. Especially like considering as... it's of a witch's background. She also has a older sister in the show, Ophelia. Morticia does seem to have some type of uh, powers. She can light candles with her fingers. She and can also make herself smoke. Yes, yeah, she, so she has to have some type of fire-based yeah. powers. Because, yeah, she goes, mind if I smoke? And they're like, no, sure, go ahead. And then she just starts smoking. Not a cigarette, but just smoke you know, starts pouring out of her dress. I, I think that was just like one of those, oh, we got to use this gag. And <laughs> they did. And now it's like, oh, it's canon. I was watching an episode the other day, and... Gomez goes to Cousin It for advice, and Cousin It starts talking to him or whatever, and Gomez is like, oh, you got to think about it for a minute. Smoke starts pouring out from Cousin It's hair, and Gomez is like, wow, you're really thinking hard, aren't you? And I'm just <laughs> I'm like, hey, you think I could uh, think with you over there, Cousin It, or are you just going to think over there all by yourself? <laughs> So Morticia has, among her many hobbies, her prized herb garden full of hemlock, poison ivy. Uh, it has a very big African strangler plant. Oh, so everything with curative properties. They're not real. African stranglers aren't real. <laughs> and it has the opposite. You mean curative. hemlock's not real? No, African stranglers aren't real. And it has the opposite of curative properties. It's actually man-eating. Uh, its name is Cleopatra, her particular one because it's kind uh, of like it's a, a man pet. eater yeah i get and it and they don't feed it humans they actually feed it yak meat it doesn't no it's not human well it eats meat i when i say man eating i just mean it 
could. It's a carnivore. Yes. Morticia is portrayed by Carolyn Jones in the 60s and Angelica Huston in the 90s. Uh, Daryl Hannah actually played her in Adam's Family Reunion. Really? And in the musical, she's been played by, uh, I guess her name's Bebe Newerth. She's Frasier's wife on the show Frasier and Cheers. Ah, Bebe, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. And Brooke Shields in the musical. Interesting. But, man, Carolyn Jones and Angelica Huston, just like... Wait, Brooke Shields? Yeah. That threw me for a loop. Yeah. (laughs) Brooke Shields is married to Nathan Lane, apparently, in the musical. I thought you were going to say in real life, and that's how she got the part. (laughs) But no, because it was Roger Reese when Brooke Shields did it. Oh, okay. As Gomez. But man, Carolyn Jones and Angelica Huston, just like John Astin and Raul Julia, they fucking own this role, both of them. Absolutely. it's, It's hard for me to say I like... Both of them. I can't say I like either of them more. Like, when I think of one of them, I want to say I like them more. I feel like I have more of a crush on the uh, Carolyn Jones version. Oh, yeah? But, man, Angelica Huston just owns the role and plays it way more seductive, too. Can I like Angelica Huston's performance more without having a crush on either? No. Am I allowed? No. no. I'm just kidding. Uh, of course. Uh. Of See, course. There's, I think there's only one, maybe two characters that I preferred in... Uh, the TV show over the movie, as far as like they? the actors that played, well, we'll, we'll find it. out. We'll okay. find out. We'll I'll let you it. know when it happens. Speaking of characters I liked in the show more than the movie, ah, I kid, not really. Uh, Wednesday Adams is the next one. Full name Wednesday Friday Adams. Ah, that's weird. Yeah, uh, I like both in the show and the movie, but the movie definitely added another layer to the character. I preferred. And... I preferred the the darker, quick witted. Um, you know, just like deadpan serious version of Wednesday better Wednesday in the show is kind of adorable yeah it's, so sweet it's kind of cool to see kind of like how she like was her, in so. the animated series but yeah you got to give more props I guess to Christina Ricci uh, Lisa Loring was the name of the girl in the right 60s version right but Christina Ricci swear to god she is one child actor who was absolutely terrifying like how could so much props to this girl for being able to deliver lines the way she did and speak it with a tone she did. Oh, so like, good. She's also been portrayed unofficially by uh, Melissa Hunter. You can find her on YouTube.com slash Melissa Hunter. Oh. She, she has a so far six-episode series. That's the first season called um, Adult Wednesday Adams. It's hilarious. Yes. It's so good. She plays the character great puts her in modern day adult situations you know getting a roommate applying for a job going on a date it is fantastic great yeah she it is funny too. it's really funny she does she does almost as good of a job as christina ricci did yeah you know what if there is a new adams family reboot i i nominate her yeah like, absolutely fuck famous absolutely I bring Melissa her Hunter in for wednesday bring this chicken to do it uh you know how she was named wednesday right Yes, it's uh, from the poem. Monday's child. Monday's child is fair of face. Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child is full of woe. Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and giving. Saturday's child works hard for a living. But the child who was born on the Sabbath day is Bonnie and Blythe and good and gay. Eating hay. That part was Craig's addition. It just may be part of my own addition. It is. 
Spoiler alert. I don't know if you guys know, but Craig does perform spoken word poetry uh, Friday nights at Alley Cats. That's the Chuckle Club. Alley Cats is a diner. <laughs> it sounds like a club where you'd It perform. sounds like a strip club, actually. Not a strip club I'd ever go to. It's so dirty. I might go there to see spoken word poetry. Not to see Alley Cats. You know what? Let's not even. You know what? We're not even going to get into that. So Wednesday, of course, drags around her favorite Marie Antoinette doll. She's got a colony of spiders that she raises. The, yeah, her pet spiders. The main one being Homer, who's kind of like her little best little Which spider friend. Which is one reason why Wednesday's the coolest. Because she knew proper names for her pets. <laughs> Homer's a great name. Well, yeah, he was in the original 60s show. He was named after the Homer Simpson. Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, because that show's just been going for so fucking long. Before the 60s, apparently. Guy Fox was watching that shit when he was preparing for the gunpowder plot. Shit, he was watching that shit in the cell when he was waiting to be hung. Could you turn it up a little bit? Simpsons and the Smiths, those are my two crushes. It's only my last day on Earth. It's not like I'm asking a lot. But this is the one where we found out who shot Mr. Burns. And I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil it. It was Maggie. Oh, God. Thank God. Great. Very cool. Go, go fuck funny. yourself. That's it. I'm done. Kill me now. Big smart guy over here with the Simpsons trivia thinks he's so cool. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> um, according to Charles Adams, Wednesday has six toes on one foot, which I think may be similar for all Adamses because I don't know if you remember in the 91 movie. 2, 10, 11. Eyes, fingers, toes. The combination. It's a family trait. One of my favorite moments from the series. I love when she's teaching Lurch to dance. Oh, God. So adorable. We'll post that video. Actually, there's two scenes where she teaches Lurch to dance. Only Where she teaches Lurch to dance. Only one of them could I find on YouTube. But there's another one where she teaches him to dance like a ballerina. Oh, yeah? Yes. That would be funny to see. I swear. I like the one that's on YouTube better, though. When He's they can like, tear it up. Yeah, Dude, that little girl could dance. And she was really good friends with Lurch, too. She was very close to Lurch. I also love there's a moment in the show where Wednesday runs away. And Morticia calls the police. And she's like, please, I need you to find my daughter Wednesday. And he's like, look, lady, I'll find her Tuesday if I can. Don't ah. give me a deadline. <laughs> there's so many great one-liners in that show. That's, that's a good joke there. Then there's the other Adams child, Pugsley Adams. Described by Charles Adams as an energetic monster of a boy, blonde red hair, popped blue eyes, and a dedicated troublemaker. In other words, the kid next door, genius in his own way. He makes toy guillotines, full-size racks, threatens to poison his sister, can turn himself into a Mr. Hyde with an ordinary chemical set. His voice is hoarse, is sometimes allowed an occasional cigar. So, picture, if you will, a pudgier version of Macaulay Culkin in The Good Son. But in most other adaptations, he's actually kind of sweet and good-natured. Yeah. Like, but maybe not... they always keep the genius part alive. Like, well, maybe not so much in the movie. He's, he's not dumb in the movies. He's a little simple. I mean, but they the took away movie, the fact really that he young. was like a mechanical genius or a chemistry wizard. Yes, yes, you're right. They didn't pay him much attention in the movie. He kind of got snubbed. They really didn't. He just walked around with stop signs. Right? Grandma (laughs) got more attention than him. For real. He just kind of went along with Wednesday trying to kill him, and it didn't work. He's also got a pet octopus named Aristotle and a pet jaguar named Fang. 
now that you say that the um, the octopus was named Aristotle, it makes me think that possibly the spider named Homer was after the poet Homer. You know what? It probably is. It just makes so much sense that it would be Back Homer's. to Greece. <laughs> no, that's cool. The kids must have been really into philosophy. Obviously, yeah. They're very Which, smart, right? So, And in the movies... Wednesday more, you know, tortures Pugsley than vice versa. Right. Has Pugsley the witting, not unwitting, but witting <laughs> accomplice to her practice tortures. Oh, yeah. So willing for it. Do you want to play Electrocution? Yeah. Well, no. The name of the game was, is there a God? Oh, is there a God? Right. in keeping with their philosophical interests. Of course. There has to be a reason behind it, right? <laughs> he was actually played by... None other than Jodie Foster. Get out of here. Yeah. Not in the 90s movie or the 60s sitcom. But uh, in the 70s, there was an animated uh, series that was very short-lived. And have you ever seen the Scooby-Doo special? Yes. Fantastic. I was never a Scooby-Doo fan, but that was one of the ones that I liked as a kid. Yep. And yeah, Jodie Foster does Pugsley's voice in that. That's crazy. Coming off her big showing as a prostitute in Taxi Driver. No, she was really young. Oh, it was before that? Well, she was really young in Taxi Driver. Okay, She was 13 then. He also has his own Nintendo game, Pugsley's Scavenger Hunt. No thanks. It's shit. Yeah, it seems like a PC game too, like a point-and-click adventure game. Right. Just, Just the sound of it. Now it'd be an iPad game. One thing about Pugsley, though, is that his name wasn't originally intended to be Pugsley. Uh, Charles Adams wanted it to be Pubert. That was the name he suggested, but... The network said, no, that sounds too close to pubic or puberty. So, no, that won't fly. But that name did eventually show up again in the sequel to the 1991 film. Yeah, Adams Family Values? Yes, they had a third child. Named Pubert. Pubert. Great and name, by the way. A little mustachioed baby. Clearly takes a lot after Gomez. Yes. He's got an insane amount of luck as well, just like his dad. Also very physically uh, fit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's also worth noticing all Adamses kind of are, but especially I feel like Gomez and Morticia's children, that mad passionate love they have just has to be something that just fuels their already superior just runs genetics. runs in the family. And yeah. Wednesday's able to take down Gomez. Yeah. I'm not talking about Christina Ricci Wednesday. I'm talking about little-ass 1960s Wednesday. Yeah, with judo holds. Fucking and a. look at how resilient Pugsley is to everything that his sister puts him through. He never found out if there was a god. Shame. But actually, in that Adam's Family reunion movie, I guess, they do reference Pubert. Oh, uh, no, it's too dark. Wednesday and Pugsley say that there used to be a third child, but they ate him. Oh, no. Oh, no. The whole first act of that Adam's Family Values movie, they were trying to kill the baby. Right. Which kind of goes in with a couple lines from the first movie. There's a baby, and they say, oh, I could just eat him up. And Morticia says, oh, no, he's too young. <laughs> and then later on, after their party where they do the mamushka, they, she sees um, Pugsley fell asleep on like a serving platter. And they go, oh, look at our adorable little entree. <laughs> so, like, right. it kind of goes with the theme that... They, I don't think they eat children regularly, but... Or at least just again, make the they jokes. Don't, yeah, they don't look down <laughs> on, on morbid shit as much as regular people. And I believe that that was meant to say that Wednesday and Pugsley finally succeeded in getting rid of the baby. Not yeah. that the family sat down and ate him. Maybe just Wednesday and Pugsley did. Exactly. Now we get into... 
my favorite Adams. Oh, yeah? Charming Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. He's so awesome. Uh, Obviously, I'm a huge Christopher Lloyd fan, so the movie portrayal is my favorite version of Uncle Fester. I can't pick again like i really? like them both like the sitcom one is very kind of deadpan fucking yeah hey i'm in a sitcom i'm the comedy relief eh? but but just christopher lloyd dog oh, he really Fester. does it. he's ah oh, mamushka 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh i met the twins the twins they're so beautiful they were kissing me on the cheek he yeah he really does own the character like I love it. Both of them. Creepy, bald, barrel-chested, sunken eyes. As a child, I had no idea that was Christopher Lloyd. Like, I knew who he was from Back to the Future. And, I like, I definitely would have known if someone had been like, you know Uncle Fester? You know that's the doctor from Back to the Future? I'd be and like, that's what no. happened to me. I'd be like, no way. And then even later, um, Camp Nowhere, I really liked when I was a kid when that came out. Okay. I didn't realize it was Christopher Lloyd until I was like a teenager. And I revisited the movie and I was like, holy shit, that's Christopher Lloyd. No way. That's funny. Uh, while we're on the type of shows that would be on Nick at Night, you know, uh, and Christopher Lloyd, that was one of the only reasons why I ever watched the show Taxi. Because my dad, you know, I was watching Adam's Family and I was like, yeah, I love Christopher Lloyd. Back to the Future is awesome. And, you know, and Uncle Fester's awesome. And he goes, you know, he was in an old sitcom called Taxi. <laughs> I was like, get out of here. He goes, and he's with the Batman. Or, and he goes, and he's with the Penguin from Batman Returns. I was like, no way. <laughs> this is a real thing that like, exists. Yes. I've figured the equation. <laughs> I am a good returns parent. plus the Adams family. Jackie Coogan was the guy that portrayed him back in the 60s. Still great. Really interesting, too. Dude, Jackie Coogan was the kid from the Charlie Chaplin flick, The Kid. In The Kid. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen? It's where yes. he, like, because, you know, Charlie Chaplin played the tramp, like this yep. hobo. And he had formed a friendship with and kind of was, like, surrogate fathering this child. And eventually, at the end, the authorities take him away. It's a very famous Charlie Chaplin Actually, flick. Actually, one reason for me to thank my dumb film history class that I took in college. Okay. Because I, that was one of the first movies we saw, and it was, was the kid. It was great. He was huge to the film industry. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. And his he, parents were ruthless and terrible. The Coogan Act, like, they passed a law because of him that was helped child actors have rights. Right. Uh, thanks to him. And, I mean, I guess it didn't really work out that well because there's still a lot of child actors getting exploited. But yeah, I mean, you can't completely separate it, but it right. still helps set up a framework that this is illegal. You know what I mean? There yeah. are certain things that are illegal. There's an old anecdote about uh, one day on set. Oh, yeah. Pugsley was like fooling around and not really paying attention. And Jackie Coogan's like, hey, kid, I made a law for you. Pay attention. You better pay attention, something. kid. He's just poking at him. <laughs> like, pay attention. He grabs his blunderbuss. I'll shoot him in the back. <laughs> his blunderbuss. Uncle Fester loved weapons. He had a blunderbuss that he named Genevieve, and he had a cannon named Old Reliable. In the original cartoons, he wasn't, he was more of a solitary character usually, like just this character that he would sometimes show. The original cartoon he appeared in was him at a movie theater. Yeah. Everyone is crying, and he's just cracking up laughing. (laughs) Typical Fester. Uh, Speaking of the cartoon, uh, Jackie Coogan actually was a huge fan of Uncle Fester in that original comic panel. And when... They... So was Christopher Lloyd. 
Yeah, and but when they uh, found out that there's going to be a show and he went to audition for the part, he did his own makeup, he shaved his own head, he wore his own costume. Yeah. And they were like, you fucking got the part, man. Like, you don't even have to talk. You already look like Fester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope. Pretty cool. But yeah, Christopher Lloyd's talked about how he really tried to bring his own inspiration based from the comic strip. He's like, in the comic, he didn't have a voice and everything. You can still tell there is a little influence from the show as well. Right. But. Definitely not in the voice or the way he talked. He's clearly got some type of power, too. And I don't mean it in a, and I mean it in a very literal way. Like oh, yeah. He's he got has, Pikachu's power. He has an electrical charge equal to 110 watts of power. And he's slightly magnetic. Yeah, he could, uh, he could turn a light bulb on just by sticking it in his mouth. Yeah, and other stuff as well, which we won't talk about here. Well, I mean, he still has a few levels before he learns the move don't, Thunderbolt. Don't even get me started on what happened when he plugged my microwave into his asshole. <laughs> God, it started beeping 6-6. Six, six. Beep! <laughs> Growing up, when I would go to the video store, there was a few things that I would normally rent. There were a few movies and a few video games that I would normally rent. Don't tell me you rented that game. One day, I rented it because I saw Fester's Quest. Uncle Fester? There's a video game about Uncle Fester? That is so the excited. trap. I could not even like get through it. It was so I just bad. wish that Admiral Akbar was around to warn you at the time. The whole uh, game is about Uncle Fester fighting off an alien invasion. Oh, is that what it's about? I really couldn't tell. Which is kind of weird. You'd think the Adams family would be all about an alien invasion. They'd be like, oh, we're helping them. <laughs> They'd be sitting there, fr- front row seats, eating popcorn. Oh, this is going to be good, Morticia. Yeah, for real. That would be like their thing. Their bread and butter right there. Oh, God. Speaking of bread and butter, uh, who does all the cooking in the Adams family house? Grandmama? Yeah. What do you think she'd do if she was making toast one day and Jesus appeared in the toast? She would say, I didn't vote for you. She'd be horrified. She's just like, oh, God, it's champ. It's, it's toast, Jesus. I got, no, you don't go anywhere. I got a potion to fix that. They treat toast with Jesus on it like bread with mold. They're like, just cut the part with Jesus out and eat the rest of it. <laughs> just, <laughs> no, just cut the part with the mold out and eat that. That's how the Adams would do it. <laughs> It's actually not safe, though, just so you know, to cut out the part of the bread with mold and eat the rest. You shouldn't do that. Oh, no. If there is mold on one part of the bread, like, don't get me wrong. Like, you're probably not going to die. Like, I've done it before when I was younger. I didn't know. I thought that was okay to do. A lot of people do think that's okay to do. But no, there's probably other stuff. There's other spores there. Uh, It's just, you just can't see it. Yeah. But Grandmama, she, like we said, is an old baddie witch. She makes a lot of potions and knows a lot of spells, and she cooks for the family. She's usually. kind of a fortune teller, too. So she, she has like a gypsy-ish Yeah, and uh, she can actually, I think there's actually one point in maybe one of the cartoons or something where she flies on a broom, so. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> NBD, deal. NBD, guys. Oh. I only have witch powers. <laughs> I don't know if that came out on the podcast, but. But Grandmama's cool. She's adorable. I like her in the movies better than in the show. That's one that I can definitively say. Yeah. I, she, there wasn't much to her in the show. No disrespect to the actress that portrayed her. But in the movies, they make her, she's totally like... Oh, no disrespect to the Wicked Witch of the West? No, she didn't play Grandmama. She played Morticia's mom. In the show, oh, Grandmama was dur. not Morticia's okay. mom. Right, right. You're right. 
It was Gomez as his mom. Now, as a kid, probably my favorite character was Thing T Thing. The T stands for Thing. As a child, I couldn't even fathom what kind of movie magic they did to make right? that happen. I was like, oh my god, this it's is so cool. Totally an actual hand. It was so cool. The, whoever uh, played him in the movie, I don't remember, but uh, whoever played him in the movie acted the fuck out of that hand, dude. Like, dude, they, they convey so much emotion and everything oh, through it. Oh, definitely. It's, it's so good. And Distress. In the show, uh, you know, he was portrayed by Ted Cassidy, the same guy yes, that did Lurch. The same guy that did Lurch. But in the credits of the show, it would always say Thing itself. Like, you know, it would be like John Aston Gomez. Oh, thing yeah. Thing T Thing itself. That's funny. Uh, fun little fact is actually Ted Cassidy sometimes used – he was mostly used his right hand, but sometimes he would use his left hand to be the thing just to see hey, if anybody – Hey, just like you, eh, Craig? Eh? <laughs> Dick. <laughs> joke uh, <laughs> no sometimes he'd use his left hand just to see if anybody noticed i find that funny and nope i doubt anybody really did craig's like i've conducted my own experience experiments and nobody's noticed <laughs> well i do have that room with the uh bulletin board and the strings attached from one side to the other trying to figure out the whole thing ah uh, so thing was originally depicted as this kind of half human creep that's like literally like an upper torso and no legs that like drags itself around and it was always so seen weird. in the background of the cartoons. Like not makes, always, but sometimes. It makes so much more sense as just a hand. Well, you can do more with it, I Charles think. Charles Adams' suggestion for the TV adaptation was that it would be a disembodied head that would roll around <laughs> yeah. on levers and pulleys and stuff throughout the house. That's also ramps. weird. You know what that makes me think of? Have you ever seen Spirited Away? No, not Spirited Away. Howl's Moving Castle. No, not yet. No, Spirited Away. Uh, neither. Are, th- are those both Hayumizuzaki? Yes. Did I say it Hayu right? Miyazaki. Hayu Miyazaki. In Spirited Away, there's... The head-like bad guy, this kind of witch, has these three weird-looking heads that roll around and, like, they just kind of make noises. That's what I can't help but picture when I read Charles Adams' description for Thing. You should watch Spirited Away. It's fucking great. I, those things that, you know, it's on the list to get to. Oh, it's you know? so good. You'll I, love I'm, it. I'm sorry, but I feel like you would rather have me do what I need to do for the podcast <laughs> before watching Spirited Away. All right, fine. We'll do a Spirited <laughs> Away episode soon. Son of a bitch! <laughs> okay, then it'll happen. And the Howl's Moving Castle, because that's how it's, that's going to happen, too. And I don't know if you knew this, but Thang has a girlfriend. Yeah, Ladyfingers. Yeah. Yeah, so that means there's more than one of them. Yes, apparently there's a whole like line of these things in Adam's family universe. There was another one that showed up. They tried to hook up thing with somebody else once and it didn't work Wasn't out. Wasn't it like a decrepit old hand or something, something like, like that? that yeah. It was like a things witch's like, hand. Really guys. You think I can't even, do better than this? Yeah, I'm not even trying to be shallow, but like that's what you guys think. That's what you guys hooked me up Yo, with. Yo, if I wanted to, Angelina Jolie could adopt me and then I'd get with her son. That's how I picture thing talking if he could. Probably not, but I like in the movie when he gets a job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Selling subscriptions, right? No, I just think it's funny that he got a job. Was, is that when he was uh, wandering around with the dragon, the radio flyer behind him? He was working at an office. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of something else, son. Yeah, he worked at an office. 
He oh, was right, like, right. The male, he was a, male guy or something. I just, uh, it would have been better if he was a paper pusher. Mm. Uh, That's what I call a hand job. Worst hand job I've ever had. So what's the discrepancy between him either living in a closet or a cigar box? Well, in the show, he could just magically transport between different boxes, kind of. Which is awesome. Maybe did, it's not magic. Maybe it's science we don't understand. Did a disembodied hand really need an actual superhuman ability? A teleportation? <laughs> I prefer the movie incarnation of this character. So perfect. So cool. Yeah. Super awesome. And him and Gomez are very close because he was around. He's like Gomez's Alfred, basically. Yeah. Childhood friends, supposedly, right? And I think his family has served the Adams family probably for a long time. Bing's family has served. It makes sense. They really wouldn't have uh, worked while serving a different family. Moving on to somebody else that serves the Adams family and has for a long time. Uh, we finally hit it. The one that I like in the show more than the movie. Oh, okay. Lurch. You rang. Well done, actually. <laughs> you like him better in the show? Yes, absolutely. Really? He, That's cool. I feel like he had, uh, he had more personality and character in the show. He's another one that I can't pick, man. I, I like him really? in the show and the movie. See, like, he didn't even... He actually had speaking parts in the show. He wasn't originally intended to. Yes, Charles Adams go. said that he would be silent, and they were going to go with that, but on set, fooling around or something, he was like, you rang. And, and it was like, a hit. Oh, we're doing it. You have we're to do it. that. You can kind of speak sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Funny little fact for the show as well. Um, John Aston Gomez was originally offered the part as Lurch. Yes. Which and is weird because like, he's way too short for that. They called him up and they're like, we'll tell you what, we've, we, you've got the part, but not the part you applied for. Yeah, uh, you I'm can't sorry. be Lurch. Okay. But not the part you auditioned for. Yeah, you can't be Lurch. I'm sorry. You just can't be. You're too short. <laughs> oh, well, this breaks my heart. Who on earth would you have me play? Gomez! How's my John Aston? <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Gomez, well, that's just ridiculous. As he does the bug-eye thing. <laughs> Spot pulls, on! No, you don't have to do it. As he pulls out a cigar and it lights itself. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to keep acting it. No, you already got the part. Stop, stop. You're killing us. You're killing I'll us. I'll tell you what, I'll think about it over the weekend and I'll let you guys know. <laughs> As we said, he was portrayed by Ted Cassidy in the 60s. And Carol Strukian, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, first or last name. Your guess is as good as mine. Carol's good. He's really, really big guy. He's played giants in a lot of shit. But he's a niche actor. Lurch is kind of Frankenstein-like. He's very big. He's not an Adams. He's actually, Lurch is actually his surname. We don't know what his first name is. His mother appears in the yeah, so, 60s show. Right. And she's a Lurch as well. But... In the new Adams Family, that corny Fox Family show, they do remark that Lurch has pieces from many different families, and he's got the heart of an Adams. Ah, I see what you did there, because he is a Frankenstein monster. That was the actual, as far as I know, that was the only actual acknowledgement of him being an actual constructed Frankenstein monster, and not just a big Big Frankenstein-esque guy. Greenish. Yeah. Well... Purplish, at least in the movie. Okay. You, you know picture what? him as greenish? I do, mostly because okay. I'm colorblind and it looked greenish. To oh, me. in the movie? <laughs> so <laughs> shut up. Like, it was black and white. That's how I imagined him <laughs> in the show. 
<laughs> I imagine it being black and white. <laughs> no, green. <laughs> green. In I the mean, show, you could use your imagination. Yeah, there you go. You're like, not only that, but the Adams family was of African American descent. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but yeah, he's really good with the kids. He's he's a very friendly uh, man. Like we said, very close to Wednesday. Yes. He's also extremely good at uh, the organ and the harpsichord. Totally. Very talented musician. Very, very much so. And he's passionate. Like, usually he doesn't really express much emotion. He's very silent and not silent, but I'm sorry, stoic and miserable. He says he likes being miserable. Yeah, he's kind of like an Eeyore. But when he plays music, when he sits down to pound out on those keys, this dude is straight Elton John in it. It's ben like folds in that motherfucker. It's like Gomez making love to Morticia. He's that passionate about yes. it. Well, no, Craig, nobody's that passionate about anything. I guarantee we haven't seen what goes on behind closed doors. But <laughs> okay, he's as passionate as Stevie Wonder. I think you're gonna like this man. The Adams Family canon does cross over. With? With another canon. With? Lurch actually makes an appearance in the Batman 1960s TV show in the episode The Penguin's Nest. Uh, He opens the window and sticks his head out and sees Batman and Robin doing their, why are we walking this way? Uh, Uh, When they're climbing up a building? Yeah, going to the Penguin's Kitchen. That's funny. And then he he was in the gag there. Yeah, and he goes back inside and starts playing the organ or the harpist chord or something. So what was Lurch doing in the Penguin's... What, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. What was he doing there? <laughs> he was on vacation. <laughs> Harpsichord camp. <laughs> there are a couple other family members that don't live in the household, but they often visit. Uh, we mentioned Morticia's sister, Ophelia. Ophelia, yep. She's got uh, flowers growing out of her head, actually. It looks like she's got flowers in her hair because she's, she's a very positive, like, blonde white girl. And uh, Gomez was actually originally arranged to marry her. The Adams family uh, always had arranged marriages. And to think about it this way, if he had married Ophelia, he'd be like, oh, oh my God, my nose is still stuffy. Yeah, it would be uh, an awful show. And then he would just be cheating on Ophelia with her sister. You know who played Ophelia? No. Carolyn Jones, the same lady that Perfect. played Morticia in a wig. Perfect. That way you could, you know, you couldn't say that they didn't look like each other. I feel like Ophelia's kind of been neglected in most adaptations. In the next adaptation, we should get an Ophelia. She does appear in the movies at the reunion very briefly. I don't know. She's, if she's the one with the else. with the flower in her hair yeah. in the movie. Yeah. There you go. Sister Ophelia. Mm-hmm. But the one character that does consistently show up. <laughs> oh, that's right, Craig. Cousin it. I knew it. Called it. Nailed it. He was not created by Charles Adams. He was created by the producer of the show, David Levy. And Charles Adams did do a couple cartoons with him after they created him. Do you think uh, the person that did the voice for Cousin It was the same person that did the voice for Beaker in The Muppet Babies? <laughs> no, I don't. Or the Muppets in general? <laughs> I actually think that Beaker was the person that played Cousin It. Oh, my God. After a failed experiment, his hair grew out. My jaw still dropped. That could be it. Gomez is its cousin. There you go. And I love the, that interaction when he goes to uh, ask it for advice. I think it's almost a running gag because I've seen it in other episodes where he's like, hey, I asked Uncle Fester what I should do. And they're like, what did he say? 
He said I should shoot myself. And Gomez just happy and <laughs> smiling as always. Great That's idea. What, Capital plan. When he talks to Cousin It, he's like, yeah, I asked Cousin Because you can't tell what Cousin It's saying, right. but Gomez can. He's like, well, I asked Cousin It for advice. This was when he fell in love with Morticia when he was younger. Okay. But he was engaged to Ophelia, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Well, I asked Cousin It for his advice. Oh, and what did he say? He said I should shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> Same advice. <laughs> so great. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Cousin It's like... Is is it just a hair monster, or is it a person with really long hair? There's something under there. Whatever it is, it has arms. In the TV show... So it's Captain Caveman. He would regularly have arms that came out wearing gloves. Like Captain Caveman. <laughs> Only without the club. Gomez asked him what's under all the hair, and he said Roots. Uh, so the band The Roots, or... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Quest Love's in there, Black Thought. They're just... They're all there. <laughs> Uh, he is Gomez's cousin, and his father's name is That Adams. He is a classic ladies' man. He had an on-and-off relationship with Ophelia and has a child with his wife, Margaret Alford, the child's name being... What? The child's name being... What? The, the child's name being... What? what? Oh. Oh, I see what you're doing there. I still don't know what you're doing. What's the child's name? <laughs> Cousin It can speak English, though. There was one point in the original uh, television show when he took elocution classes and learned to speak in order to help his acting career. Well, according to the animated series, he's a super spy. For the government, yeah. He worked for the government. That's one of the reasons he went away a lot. Not just any old government. (laughs) Not just any old government, you fucking commie liberal bastard. (laughs) The real government. You commie liberal socialist bastard. Wait, which one am I? (laughs) All the above. <laughs> that's three philosophies. Everything that's not capitalism. <laughs> but if you really want that cheek wedding, you know who should get to marry you? Cousin It. Apparently he's licensed to perform marriages. He marries Uncle Fester and uh, Debbie Jelinski. Ah, uh, Debbie Jelinski. Who is a member of the Adams family. She was married in. Debbie Jelinski Adams. She's buried uh, in their cemetery. She sure is. Because they probably still love her. They're like, huh. later, like in the third movie, when they're walking around through the graveyard, him and Morticia uh, reminiscing about the family. He'll be like, ah, and Fester's ex-wife, Debbie, remember when she tried to kill us? <laughs> and they think like, of that oh, fondly. The memories go mess. Only the Adams could have someone attempt to kill them. And they'd be like, what a thoughtful idea. No one's <laughs> made me as miserable as when she pried Fester away from our family. What a great person. <laughs> The Adams family also had quite the menagerie of pets, some of whom we've mentioned, some of whom we haven't even. Menagerie, you say? Uh, first and foremost, there was Kitty Cat. It was Morticia's pet cat. Oh, um, Kitty Cat. To be specific about the breed, it was a lion. <laughs> Ooh, Kitty Cat. <laughs> yeah, Morticia brought him along into the family, and Kitty Cat is a big part of the family. Huge part. He's their main part. Main literally. Part. Yeah, literally a big part. Uh, I love their bearskin rug. I loved it. As a kid, I was fascinated with that. And when I found out, because I figured that was just in the movie, and I, my dad or something was like, nah, the bearskin rug's in the show too. I'm like, no way! That's so cool! Like, just that, like fascinated by the movie magic in the 60s for a TV show to be able to make you know, a bearskin rug <laughs> it look like it's moving on it. But it was just like, a As a cool kid, idea. it was fascinating. Okay. I I'm sorry, I didn't, awesome I didn't set it up. Oh, I'm a simpleton. Oh, I'm fascinated by moving things and strings that aren't seen. I thought I skinned that bear. I thought that thing wasn't that there 
you're alive. Also, I loved the gate that was alive. Oh, yeah. Sentient gate. Kind of, kind of, yeah. Again, both in the movie and the show. Its name was Gate. Oh, look. What the other mailman's name gonna... playing with Gate. And the, and the mailman's like, fuck! And his coat's trapped in Gate. Bernice was the giant squid that lives beneath the house in, like, the sewers. I assume the movie shows there's this whole, like, you know, network of, you know, like, canals and shit underneath the house. So I'm, I assume that's where Bernice, the giant squid, lives. So there's a giant squid named Bernice and an octopus named Aristotle. Yeah. Crazy. The octopus is, I think, kept, like, in a tank in Pugsley's room or something. Whereas Bernice was, like, a neighbor. Bernice was down underneath yeah. the house. It was huge. It was a giant squid. Colossal or giant? I don't know. Maybe both. Somewhere in between, my good friend. Sewage, Somewhere in between. You know? Then there was their piranhas, Tristan and Isolde, uh, and Zelda, the vulture. Wow, they just named their vulture after a video game character. Yeah, I think that's what it was in the 60s because the Zelda timeline is just so fucked it's up. so crazy, yeah. <laughs> that, makes sense. Yeah. It happened, yeah. But Tristan and Isolde, that's, that's from like an old French poem or some shit, right? Like oh, there really? were two lovers. I don't know. That was another thing that I, I so knew of. So that was of. a Gomez and Marticia thing. Yeah, there you go. But also think about it. Like now you got Aristotle, Homer, Tristan and Isolde. It's like they're also bringing culture to you, you know? You don't just think it's, oh, hey, those, that's just weird names for pets. Maybe you look them up on the internets when you get older because the internets isn't around yet. So there was this book, The Addams Family, by Jack Sharkey that was written way back in the day. You know, it was a bunch of short stories about the characters. It was based really? on a TV show. Based on, okay, I was just about to ask if it was uh, before the show or after, because you said back in the day, the 60s is still way back in the day. I really want to read this book. I'm going to order it. It's on Amazon for only a couple bucks. So Pick it up. It apparently explains the origins of Thing. It tells, like, the story of the Adams family moving into that house that oh, they live in. Oh, nice. And towards the end of the book, Morticia and Gomez actually mention their cousin Charles and those crazy cartoons he draws. And Gomez oh, is like, is crazy. he still like making fun of us in his cartoons or something oh, like no that? Oh, no way. And, uh, and she confesses to him that she actually signed off a contract to license their likenesses. That and sounds so interesting to me. That, there's a TV show based off it. And uh, she said something like, it's simple as ABC, because that was the network that the show was on. <laughs> ah, uh, there you go. And, uh, Jokes. That explains any incongruities between like, oh, who's Morticia's mom? Who's, you know, that explains right. it. The TV show exactly. and the movie are adaptations of this real life fucking family. They're real. It's champ. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's ABC. AB champ. A-B-C-H-A-M-P. No, uh, <laughs> I just lost my spot. <laughs> Sorry, we're easily amused by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm just... Champ, champ, champ. That's what I had to say. <laughs> but one of the biggest pieces of Adam's Family pop culture that really deserves a mention, one of the best-selling pinball games of all time, if not the best-selling. I'm pretty I'm sure, sure it was the best. At one point. If it's not now, it was at one point. The Adam's Family pinball game. Ah, you thought I was talking about the Kiss pinball game or the Dharma and Greg pinball game, but no, I was talking about the Adam's Family one really caught you off guard there. You did, actually. I was thinking of the Dharma and Greg pinball game. You were expecting maybe a uh, Dharma Adams. and Greg 
Shut up, Raph. Seriously. Well, the Adams Family pinball game was so popular for many reasons. There was really cool animations on the little flashing light bulb screen. And, yeah, uh, Fester was had a light bulb in his mouth. That was At actually some, on the pinball board. Yeah, on the actual board. But you know what I mean? The part where like the different light bulbs, like it's almost yes. like a night bright or whatever you call it. Light bright. Light bright, where the yeah. the light bulbs light up and it moves to make it look like things walking across yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Really cool animations, but there were a lot of things that were really revolutionary about Those the Those were LED game. pegs, by the way. And at the time okay. they were super revolutionary. Yeah. Not just that, but okay, first of all, there's a magnetic thing that like comes out of a box and can hold your ball and store it. Oh yeah. For a multi ball. Multi ball Multi-ball! Points are racking up. All the bells and whistles are going off. And you're just having the time of your life sucking down sodas, chomping on pizzas, quarters on the pinball table, betting like a motherfucker. And that is why pinball is banned You've in Oakland. you got the visor on like Gomez. <laughs> yes, with absolutely. The ticker tape, with ticker tape of tickets yes, <laughs> to go get absolutely. prizes. <laughs> there was also, in the center of the game, the power. This little circle that underneath it was a triangle of electromagnets that when your ball went there it would move in unpredictable directions like you watch it it literally just changes direction and you can't tell how it's gonna that's crazy you send it there there was also the first instance of a computer controlled flipper that would read the um, speed of the ball and predict when it would be there and flip and it had impressive accuracy that's the ghost flipper Damn. it's not a ghost flipper you idiot dolphins don't have ghosts it's jam <laughs> dolphins don't have ghosts they're not smart enough I beg to differ, champ guy. You just take your harpoon and you go back next to Captain Whales Crumb. Whales ghosts, you fucking moron. I should know. I'm a paranormal investigator. <laughs> a sea investigator. Just take a look at my badge. Oh, God, no, that's champ. That's champ, too. Why yeah. do I have a baby fucking champ in my wallet? How did that get there? I have no idea, but please huh. bring Nathan back. <laughs> or was it possible reboot? No. A possible reboot? Yeah. You didn't know about that? (laughs) (laughs) I know a few years ago they were talking about Tim Burton doing a stop motion animation based on the original cartoons, but then that was canceled. Yeah, no, he ended up making Frankenweenie instead. But no, is there a new reboot in the works? Well... On Halloween of 2013, last year, uh, it was announced in Variety that MGM was going to be doing a reboot. Yeah. Sweet. As an animated film, though. Sweet. Even better, right? They should get John Astin to do the voice. I hope so. Is he alive still? I think so. I hope so. I don't know. I hope so, too. But yeah, there really isn't much more if about not, the movie. who cares? It's the Adams Family. Just summon him in his fucking seance. If, and if he doesn't want to Boom. do it, just summon Raul Julia in a fucking seance. I think that would be tougher. To no do. disrespect. All, all respect to the dead. Like, great fucking performers. I wish we could, though. That'd be awesome. Well, man, that's what I call an episode of Point. It's a ghostly podcast. If you want to keep up with Point or just Fairpoint all year round. Like us, 
Facebook.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. Or follow us at Fairpoint Pod on Twitter. Or subscribe on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Fairpoint Podcast. But all three of those are great avenues to get in contact with us. Let us know what kind of episodes you want to see. Not out of Scarepoint. Scarepoint's already mapped out, but yeah. Fairpoint in general, we cover everything. So pretty much once we get into uh let's say around, you know, after the screaming season, you want to hear something. No, that's not enough time for us. How about for the new year? Yeah, we are going bi-weekly in November and December. Ah, good point. Glad you brought that up. We work retail and food service, and it's not easy to get that time off to really dedicate the time to a Fairpoint episode that we think it deserves. During that so. season, because, you know, while all you jackasses are shopping and having the time of your lives, we're serving your fucking shit. But I'll tell you what. We may be able to pull an episode here or there. If we can throw in an extra episode, we will. But we've got some cool shit we want to do in November and December to make up for the fact that it's bi-weekly, but it's not solidified enough that we're comfortable talking about it. So we'll keep you posted. And if you want to just, you know, chat with me, be my little uh, e-pen pal or Nathan's e-pen pal, Send us a old fangled email. Fairpointpodcast at yahoo.com. Old fangled emails only, please. Yeah, no new timey bullshit. <laughs> Get that shit the fuck out of here right now. For real, correct us. Call us on our bullshit. Uh, tell us we're stupid. Tell us we're awesome. Tell us what you want to see out of episodes. Tell us what you don't want to see out of episodes. Whatever. Just shoot us an email. We need some fucking human contact cooped up in this secret room here. Um, also, just a few favors that we ask of you as fans. If we haven't already asked a few. If you enjoy the show and you would like to support the show, keep it free. We don't ask you for money. We don't ask you for donations. No, what you can us. do to keep this show coming out on a weekly basis and for free is give us reviews on iTunes. Give us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube. Like the Facebook page. Do all that shit. You know what I mean? That's what really helps us. It'll help us get a sponsor eventually. And it lets us know that what we're doing is worth our time. Right. So, and hey, actually, if you're a Redditor, please... Share us on Reddit. Go post your favorite episode on Reddit. If it's on YouTube, share the YouTube video. If it's on iTunes or whatever, you know. And we can't do that ourselves because that makes us come off as spammers. Yeah, we're not trying to be that guy. We aren't. Hey, if you like it, that's what Reddit's for. Please share it. Let people know. I would love to find out one day that there's a Fairpoint subreddit. (laughs) Love it. Lofty aspirations, my good friend. Lofty aspirations. (laughs) Next week it happens. All we got to say about next week is we've got three rules for you. When you download this podcast, just number one, make sure you keep it out of sunlight. Bright oh, lights yeah, in general. Yeah, bright lights in general. Um, number two, once you download the podcast, make sure you don't get it wet. Yeah, you never want to get your iPod wet. No, or never, never. Terrible, like, terrible things yeah, seriously. to do. It's, if, if you do, put it in a cup of rice. Yes, I don't, supposedly it works. The thing is, I don't know if that'll work with this episode, though. Yeah, because it didn't work uh, on my old phone when I accidentally drunkenly dropped it in a urinal and pissed on it. Yeah, if that happens, though, with this podcast, Rice didn't help. you get your phone wet, it's just going to duplicate. It's just going to keep downloading the same MP3, which will actually be great for us. So go ahead, get yeah, it wet. but it would totally destroy your, your, uh, your, your hard drive. <laughs> and your plan. Your hard data drive would just plan. fill up immediately. 
And the third rule, of course, is don't feed this episode after midnight. Well, you can, I mean, you can listen to it after midnight. Just don't. You shouldn't feed be it. feeding it regardless. It's a. It's not a sentient being, you bastard. Yeah, it's not even a. It's just kind of a a thing there in the cyberspace. Well, from the secret room, I'm Nathan K. And I'm Craig Thursday Lewis. Talk to you guys next time. Unless we see a ghost. Even if we see a ghost. Even if we see a ghost. We're that dedicated. I don't know. I'm too scared. Dude, don't you remember last year a ghost fucked with our Halloween episode or something? Like, the audio got all fucking weird. I'm so scared. I'm so scared from last year.